This is the Morning Sports Desk for Thursday, June 22nd. Well, 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 as bad as the Twins are, they finally had something go their way just a uh, just a little bit last night. And a 1-1 line drive center field. That's going to land a base hit. Castro heads home. He scores, and the Twins win. The Twins walk it off as Kyle Farmer smacks a base hit to center. Castro scores, and the Twins beat the Red Sox 5-4-10. and Oh, thank goodness. I was watching that game last night, and I'm like, the Twins aren't going to lose this game, are they? Like, I thought about them, like, they're going to get to extra innings, and they're going to blow it. They already wasted Yohan Duran. They're not going to be able to play a long game. And once they got through that top of the 10th inning, and Giovanni Moran had a nice top of the 10th inning from the bullpen, I was like, you know what? If they're going to win it, it's going to have to be in the 10th inning. And it was a crazy turn of events. It started off with Willie Castro being on second base because of the uh, the Manfred man at second base with the extra inning rule. And then, right away, the Red Sox with their former teammate in Christian Vasquez, who, by the way, is not having a strong year at the plate. They decided to uh, intentionally walk him. And I don't know if it was to set up the double play. I don't know if it was because they were afraid of Vasquez at the plate, but the reason that I don't think it was the double play is because Michael A. Taylor was up at the plate and he's got some legs on him and uh, probably wasn't going to ground out into a double play. If anything, that walk basically guaranteed a bunt, and that is what Michael A. Taylor did. He laid down a nice bunt along the first baseline, close play at the first base bag. He was called out. They had a replay, and they... Uh, basically, here's what the replay showed. It showed that the pitcher running to try and field first base did not uh, touch the base at all and did not tag Michael A. Taylor out at all. And yet they still called him out. I mean, what's the point of replay if you're not even going to get the call right? But nonetheless, the Twins were able to come through with that walk-off RBI single three pitches later from Kyle Farmer. So... Good job, Farmer. Good job, Twins. Uh, there was a, a really a nice play that happened earlier in the game, and uh, I was with the score tied 1-1, and Vasquez was at the plate. Royce Lewis on first base, and, well, uh, here's also what happened. Try to give our guys as much information as possible. Hard hit off the glove of the shortstop Hernandez. Lewis scampering to third. They're going to wave him around. And the throw to second base, Lewis scores! And Vasquez to second base. Yeah, it was a crazy play. So what happened was Royce Lewis on first base, Vasquez hits it uh, up the middle. It bounces off the glove of the shortstop and slow rolls into center field. Royce Lewis with two outs, he's going on contact. He puts his head down and not slowing up as he gets to third base. And the third base coach, Tommy Watkins, gives him the send and he goes home, scoring from first to third on a play that barely gets out of the infield. And Lewis slides into home plate and kind of like flexes on himself or just lets out like a uh, a big let's go. Uh Royce, pretty cool. And then he got uh, picked off a third base later in the game, which was not cool. But, hey, I'll take uh, I'll take the good in that situation. But here's what manager Rocco Baldelli had to say about that. That was awesome. That was just an awesome play because you need um, the player to do, you know, a lot of work on that play by going hard um, and anticipating that he might get sent. So he did, you know, Royce was out there, you know, going hard the entire way. And Tommy stayed with the play a long way you know those are those are incredibly difficult sends you know 
the safe play is to just hold them. Um, but the safe play doesn't win you ball games, you know, a lot of the time. And uh, the, the good, aggressive baseball play is what we're looking for right there. And uh, I give them both credit. Yeah, it was a pretty cool play. Uh, pretty darn cool. And by the way, there's so much uh, to unpack with this game. Rocco Baldelli got ejected because Joey Gallo got, it was a borderline strike three pitch. It was kind of one of those that could go either way. Joey Gallo didn't like it. Had some words for the home plate umpire. And that's when the manager has to come out and defuse the situation. He gets, you know, they push Gallo out of the way and Rocco's probably getting ejected, but like, it's better for Rocco to get ejected because he's the manager. There's other guys who can fill in for the rest of the game. Rather, you don't want one of your players getting ejected because one, they're going to get fined from baseball. They're going to lose some money. Second of all, uh, you don't want to be one less guy down for the rest of the game. And so Rocco goes out and he gets ejected and he says his piece and he yells and kicks some dirt up a little bit and, uh, and heads back to the dugout. He hits the showers and he's like, all right, well, you know, like in his mind, he's got to be thinking, at least I got ejected. I saved Joey Gallo from like, he can stay in the game now because I took the bullet for him. He went back to the dugout, put his hat and glove on and went back out into the field. Well, as Gallo was going back out onto the field, he crossed the first baseline where uh, the home plate umpire and the first base umpire were chatting and Gallo said something to him and the umpire nonchalantly turned around and threw his hand up in the air and said, yeah, you can get him out. Get him out of here. And uh, Joey Gallo also got thrown out. So imagine how frustrated you got to be if you're Rocco to uh, get thrown out of a game to protect your player. And all of a sudden you turn around and he's following you into the dugout. Uh, not a smart play by Gallo uh, there on that one. Uh, who, by the way, has kind of stunk the last uh, the last month or so. I know Max Kepler has drawn a lot of the ire from a left-handed bat who... Uh, Basically, there you know it's been a little less so so lately, but uh, Joey Gallo might be worse because at least Kepler had a couple RBIs yesterday and a home run. He's playing just well enough to keep his butt safe, but then never quite well enough to be like, all right, well everybody's kind of off your back for a while now. But as is the case, the Twins could try to salvage a series split and try and even up the home stand if they get a win this afternoon, and that's an 11.30 pregame, 12.10 first pitch right here on KWAD. But, you know, overall it'd be a disappointing homestand, but if they could finish at 5-5, five and five, I guess, because when you figure the two-game sweep of Milwaukee losing three out of four against Detroit, and if you can win and split a series against Boston, you know, it's not great, but... It's not the end of the world, especially considering how things were feeling uh, 24 hours ago at this time. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, let's focus on uh, something else. Me and Corey talked about this a little bit yesterday, but since the NBA draft is today, let's talk a little bit about that because... It's at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. The Minnesota Timberwolves hold the 53rd pick, so that comes late in the second round. Uh, if you're wondering, well, why don't the Wolves have a first-round pick? That belongs to Utah, so technically the Wolves' first-round pick this year is Rudy Gobert, and you can feel about that the, uh, the same way that you want to. Now, uh, draft night, there could be a couple big trades. There's already been one decently sized trade in the NBA where Kristaps Porzingis traded from Washington. He's going to Brooklyn um, and a couple other moves kind of thrown in there. Um, 
along the way. By the way, Tyus Jones, because uh, it's a three-team deal between Boston and between Washington and the Memphis Grizzlies, Tyus Jones is going from the Grizzlies to the Wizards, which stinks because the Wolves were interested in trading for Tyus Jones, and I would have liked to see Tyus back with the Minnesota Timberwolves, but so it goes. Uh, the Wolves rumored to try and trade back into the first round uh, today. They have a lot of second-round picks, despite not having a first-round pick this year, or at least a lot of second-round picks for this year and the next couple years that they could try and leverage. But, um, you know, I don't... To, what is Tim Conley going to do? I'm not sure, because last year at the draft, it was pretty low-key. They took Walker Kessler, who turned out to have a pretty nice rookie season for the Utah Jazz, because he was also a part of the... Rudy Gobert trade, uh, but it was all quiet on draft night. It was a couple weeks after that when things really started moving once the Wolves kind of figured out who was all on their team and who they all had to trade. So what I would say is just like the Vikings draft, they don't necessarily have a ton of draft capital, and based on the way that their salary and their roster is set, don't, I mean, not to say that a big move is a 0% chance, but the Wolves are probably going to be pretty boring at the draft. They'll take some player you really haven't heard of, and maybe they'll make a trade for some other player you haven't really heard of. Uh, it's They're not trading for another superstar, and they're not trading a superstar. I know that there's been a lot of talk of maybe the Wolves should trade Carl Anthony Towns right now. Uh, and look, there is some valid... Uh, there's some valid points to that of, you know, you're not going to be able to keep Ant and Rudy and Cat... Uh, all on the same team together, especially when you want to extend guys like Nas Reed and you want to extend Jaden McDaniels and there's a couple other guys you want to keep around. I get that that you, it's not necessarily going to be feasible uh, to keep everybody around, but based on how last year Cat was hurt for most of the season and it was the first year with this experiment, my guess is they're not going to bail on it that quickly. And by the way, if you're looking to trade Carl Anthony Towns, he was, as I just said, hurt a lot of last season, you're really not going to get a lot of trade value trading a guy who was hurt a lot of last year and when he came back had a pretty bad playoff performance. So you're not necessarily going to get the cream of the crop. Now, if you were to trade him next year after a good season or even at the trade deadline of this coming season, you know, maybe there's a chance for it to be a little bit more valuable to trade, or at least then you can see the guys play together a little bit more to kind of definitively say if you want to move on from Carl Anthony Towns. I'm of the opinion of even though I don't think it's necessarily going to bode much better results, you do have to kind of let this core and give it one more fair shake to see if it's going to work. But so I don't, you know, I, are the Wolves going to trade Cat and a package for the number three overall pick from Portland? No, that's based on the reports I've been reading. Uh, that's not going to happen. Not, uh, not at all. Uh, so there's one last thing I want to touch on, and that is the College World Series down in Omaha. I've never been to a College World Series game. I've driven past uh, the field in Omaha on the interstate. Uh, super cool, super cool facility uh, down there from what I've heard. I have uh, I know people who have been there to College World Series games. It's an awesome environment. Uh, but LSU fans, they're still alive. They're playing Wake Forest to try and advance and uh, to the College World Series championship against Florida. But LSU fans have went to a bar and apparently... Uh, 
there's this bar that keeps a record, and they're saying how many fans of these teams have bought Jello shots. Well, it turns out LSU fans, how many Jello shots have they ordered? Well, they ordered 21,435 Jello shots to break a College World Series record at this bar in Omaha. And guys, I gotta tell you, there's probably a lot better money you could spend on than buying 21,000. 435 jello shots. But hey, that's just me. If my team was in the College Baseball World Series, if Bemidji State was in the D2 College World Series, I'd be pretty excited. Heck, even if the Gophers somehow ever got to Omaha, I'd be, uh, you know, who's to say what I'd do? This has been the Morning Sports Desk for Thursday, June 22nd.